Gullahs. It's for Gullahs. No, it, because otherwise we wouldn't care what the America you, thinks. You don't care what America thinks, basically. I, I, I don't, I don't but I, know, I realize that America is in charge. Israel needs America for two things, weapons and UN Security Council uh, vetoes. And therefore, Israel is a pu- I don't want to use the word a puppet of the... Of the, of the of Israel, Israel is controlled, therefore can, has to care what America thinks because of that. And we chose where I'm going. One second. I agree with you about this. It's, uh, the problem that I have is that every freaking day, I, I'll tell you, it's good, let, let it be on. <laughs> what, what bothers me, first of, first of all, I, I, you can't sleep. You can't sleep as a Jewish person. You know that there's 300, there's seven, I read today, that <coughs> at one point today, there were 5 million Jews in Israel that were in shelters today. I read that today. Where in Israel? In Israel. There was one point today, because everybody in the north was in the, was in the, in the shelters, and everybody in the center of the country were in the shelters, and in the south, of course, they're in the shelters. There was, at one point, I could, if I looked it up, I could find the time, there were five million Jews in the shelters. And they have room to accommodate that? It's built in. It's built in. Built in. They built the country with shelters everywhere. That That's a crazy... Needs, uh, a five more. million is a significant and it's a country yeah, that... The that they well, the country the has all together... Because I did this uh, last night with... Can have access to shelters our good friend last night, Azriel, was here learning. And we went through some very interesting little statistics. How many Jews are there in the world right now, according to About the internet? 15.2. Million. Right. How many Jews? This is really crazy. How many Jews live in Israel? Eight. 7.4. How many Jews live in the United States, according to the internet? Five million. No, 7.1. Remember something very interesting about the Jewish population. If you have a woman, I mean, we all know this, but just out of interest, if you have a woman who intermarries, her kids are Jewish. Which means that in some way there's a constant, even even intermarriage doesn't destroy the numbers. What it does is (coughs) it weakens the, the whole essence, but... You still have it. So seven point one. There is a concept in Jew in Judaism that when the majority of Jews live in Eretz Yisrael, then you start. Oh, we have the food. Hello. I just want to know if the guys are running up the stairs. They heard the food's coming. You could hear. This is like a stampede. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Watch. Huh? We got Shmita Yoga. Shmita Yoga. We're close. We are very, very, very close to the majority being in Israel. But there's 7.1, again, 7.4 according to their statistics. You know, what's going on here? This is the same thing. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's accident, accident. Bye bye. More food. Okay. Seven point four. So that should be, I mean, it, that uh, it is. It's a. You can't sleep at night. How can you sleep at night when you know that everybody's up in Israel? That's number one. Then the other issue, which is of course the bigger issue, 
is that every freaking every freaking time I open up the the websites that I look at or whatever I'm looking at, there's another person dead, another Israeli soldier's dead. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't it's not that I don't care about civilians, but we all care about Israeli soldiers more than we care about civilians. That's really what it gets down to. So therefore, we would rather have targeted airstrikes. I mean, I, I think that that's the, the, the truth, right? We might not want to put that on the front page of the New York Times, maybe, but we would prefer targeted airstrikes. And if, there's a, if there <coughs> is collateral damage, so be it, versus having our cousins going down those rotten tunnels, which I don't understand. I don't understand how they let it go. I don't understand how they let that go for such years, so many years. I don't understand also why they have to publicize the fact of, of 20% of the soldiers die, have died because of friendly fire. Why, why is that really? the problem? Yeah, about 20%. Why? Why is that? Why do I have to know that? Why do I have to be paying for that? It doesn't know. There's something to do with the fact that we grow up in a in a, in a society where we're the minority and we're in, and everybody here are Americans and not Jewish. And in Israel, there seems to be something about wanting to have the acceptance. It's not just the money. It's not just the armament. There's something else. I don't know what it is, but there's something else that causes them to like to care about the Eurovision. Uh, you know, I understand that you need to have the missiles to be able to buy Rayovan, you know, Ray, Ray, Raytheon. Raytheon, you know. I understand that. I understand that. And, you know, bombs and guns. I understand that. But why do you care so? Uh, maybe the back way. Uh oh. You want help? Huh? You need help? No, I, I, I need the person with the food. No, <laughs> you want to go? Let's go up. Let's go up. Okay, I'll go left. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Reference. I'm going to be skipping around a bit about Yehuda and Yosef. So it says in the Pasuk here, Perak Hay, it says, Velo Yoho Yosef. And Yosef was not able, in his apic, to hold himself back. The Cholhanit. Yeah, this is the first. This is the um, the first page. I I underlined it. This is Memhe Pasagala. The Cholhanit Selvim Olav. He couldn't handle all the pressure that was taking place. What was that pressure? The pressure was when he saw one brother putting his entire life on the line, right? If you think about it, he did something which is really crazy. It's like totally politically incorrect. Here he is, right? He is the a slave. Basically, he's in a position of nothingness. And in front of him is the vice president or... Viceroy. Viceroy. They call him viceroy, but where? Superpower. Superpower. No? Lady in the Tesla. She's in Hanshawans. That was a lady. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, an Uber driver? 
up. His mom is standing up to, to, to Paro, I mean, to Yosef, because, that's interesting, so why he do it? Why, what's going on? Because he says in the Pasuk, and so what does he do? He says, Hotziyo kol ishmei olan, everybody's got to get out of this room. Lo amad ish ito, and he, there was nobody in that room, bis vadea Yosef elachiv, when Yosef was, you know, he said who he was. The reason we all know he did that was because he didn't want to embarrass anybody. When a person is out of control, right? Anybody here ever lose control? Anybody ever lose control? Shalom, I don't believe you ever lost control. Rabosha Feinstein's famous story that there was uh, a person that gave him a ride to yeshiva. Are you familiar with this story? Yeah, yeah. And the Carter. And yeah. they slammed the finger on his door. I, I'm sorry, the, the door on his finger. Can we imagine how embarrassed we would be if we slammed the Rebbe Moshe's finger? I, I, you, can't, you can't even live with that feeling. What did, what did Rebbe Moshe do? Nothing. He had so much control because he knew how much embarrassment that would take, that what it would do to the, he knew what that would do. So therefore he went and he was quiet. It's the same thing over here. Yosef knew that he's gonna go and lose control, can't do that. So he tells everybody they have to leave. Under the extreme power of pressure, You know, you have to be in total, total control. What was it that caused Yosef? It's the same thing. It's all about Yosef has the same thing. How, how did Yosef protect himself from this woman? I mean, you got to think about it. Yosef is how old when he's just had 17. 17. Now, some of us don't remember being 17 years old, but the hormones are raging. Yosef is away from his family. There's nobody there. She strips. And what holds him back? What holds him back? The self-control of realizing what he understood to be what is right. The Pasuk says that he said, that there's nobody in this house that has more authority in this family than me, which... Rav Palm explained that what, what's going on over here is he realized he has a value. He realized he has a purpose. The problem with the world that we live in is that so many kids don't think that they have any value. They have no purpose. When you think you have value, you think you have purpose. So then you live a certain way. But when you don't think that there's any value, when you don't think you have any purpose, then why do, you, why do you care if you go to shul or not? You go to yeshiva. It's such a very hard thing. You know, kids have a hard time in yeshiva sometimes. Why? You're a therapist. Why are kids having a hard time in school? They are. The kids are having a hard time in yeshiva. They can't why? connect. Huh? Uh, most of the time, what I'm seeing, they can't connect. What does that mean, connect? You're right, but what does that mean, they can't connect? The, the Rebbe, let's say, is teaching, or the teacher's teaching, study, and they're saying that's important for your life, it's relative. The, the kid spaces out. He says, why is this important to me? 
Why do I need this? And he just becomes inattentive. One second, please. He's got one minute. The package on the sidewalk is all should be worked out. Mm-hmm. Where are you going also upstairs? The Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. I just looking at that, by the way. It's unbelievable because the kids, the kids don't even feel any value. Kids don't feel value to be Jewish. They don't even know what it means to be Jewish. No. The kids are sitting in yeshiva all day. They don't even know what Judaism is. You know? What do they know? What are they, what are they, are we leaving, are we giving them a feeling of, of achrayis on the world? I'll tell you something very interesting. So I told this over before, and I'm going to add something because I just saw the tape today. I once told you that Rav, we, that Rav Palm one day came to the base Medrash. And Rav Palm said to us that the Ariya Kodesh, the Arizal, said one day to his primary student, Reb Chaim Vital, he said to Reb Chaim Vital, you have a great neshama. And the Arizal said to, I'm sorry, Reb Chaim Vital said to the Arizal, why do you say that? And he said, the reason I say that is that, is that in the, this day and age, which we're talking now about 1500, 1600s in Tzvat, I mean, what, what already could they do over there? You know, if in this day and age with all the klipas and all the tumma and everything that is in the world, you want to sit and get close to God, you must have a very holy neshama. So Rapam told us this in the early 1980s, okay? And he then said to us that if, in this day of age, right, this is the early 1980s, there are people who want to sit and want to learn Torah. You must have a very holy neshama. So I would say that was in the 1980s. That was before there was even the advent of the internet. Forget the internet. The advent of these little things. Forget about that. There wasn't even a, a fax machine in those days. It was a whole different world, right? It was a whole different world. And yet people want to get together. You have a great neshama. Do the kids know about that? I just heard a shir tonight by Rav Gamliel Rabinowitz. Rav Gamliel starts the shir. You can see it. It's a three-minute shir. I can send it to you. He starts the shir by saying that Rabbi Birnbaum, who was the Rashiva of the Mir in Brooklyn, when he was a young boy, he went to visit the Chavetz Chaim in Rodney. And when he got to the Rosh Hashiva, to the Chavetz Chaim, the Chavetz Chaim said, please, please sit next to me. He said crazy words. He said, you're so holy because you're a bacher in this generation. Again, we're talking in Europe, a hundred years ago, right? You're so holy as a bacher in this generation because there are so many nisyonos. So many nisyonos. I don't know if in Olam Haba I'll be zocha to see you because you'll be so great. So please at least sit next to me so that this way 
I'm zoicha to be able to see you. Because he said, I don't know that in the world, this is the Kofit Chaim speaking, and he's telling this kid, who at that time was a little, he was a young boy, and he's saying, you have so many misyonos in this generation, again, in that generation. And then the Chofetz Chaim goes on, and he says that in this week's Parsha, he says the same thing. It says in the Pasuk that Yisrael, Yaakov says, Vayomer Yisrael, and Yaakov says, Rav od Yosef b'nichai. Wow, my son is still a little Yosef. He's alive. Elcha ve'erena. Let me go see him quickly. Beterem amus before I die. So the Chavetz Chaim said on this the same idea. Why did Yosef want? Why did Yisrael? Why did he want to see his son? Of course, because it's his son. That, that we understand. But on a different level, why did he want to see? Yosef so quickly, and why does he say in the in the words before I die? Because the Chavetz Chaim writes that that Yaakov Avinu was afraid that when he would die, when 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 in Shemayim, he Yaakov would not be able to be Zocha to be able to see Yosef because Yosef went through so many nisyonos and did well on him. I'm hearing tiptoes of feet. So it's an amazing thing. You have to, you know, you have to realize how unbelievably holy we are. Nothing. The guy probably left. I don't think it was him in there. Yeah. Yeah. Was it an Uber driver? Yeah. Should I pause the recording? Yeah. Sudden's after us, because we're learning to protect the Jewish people. So what I just mentioned was that Yosef, the way the, the Chavetz Chaim said that that Yaakov wanted to see Yosef on this earth, because he was afraid that in Shemayim he wouldn't be Zoka to see him, because Yosef went through so many nisyonos. And we, as religious Jewish people, we go through so many nisyonos all day long. All freaking day long, it's 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 unbelievable. Like, um, what are we gonna do? Let's go further here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So it says in the next pasuk, it says over here before actually, avi. How am I? This is Yehuda speaking. avi. How am I gonna go back to my father? And the kid's not with me. Right? This is the most, one of the most famous lines in Chumash. How Yehuda says, how am I going to go to my father and the little boy is not with me? So what put Yosef up to this? What made Yosef, I'm sorry, Yehuda, what made Yehuda be willing to stand up? What made Yehuda be willing to talk these, these are lines of fire. He's telling the head of Egypt, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. What was it? He made a promise, though. He made a promise. The Pasuk says that he made a promise. You can go back over here. It's in Lamed Beis. Ki avdecha, why am I doing this? Ki avdecha, arav is anar. Because not here. It's not there. 
He's the, the guy just ripped him off. That's it. Ki avdecha arav esanar, because your servant. I'm sorry. We're we're talking. We'll learn a little bit. I'm sorry. So the so. Yeah. So why is Yehuda doing this? Why is Yehuda putting his neck on the line? Ki avdecha arav esanar, because I Yehuda. I put myself, I was an Orev. I was a, uh, Orev in English is a guarantor. I said to my father, I will have, I'll always be in debt. I will have cursed myself. I put myself into a, into a big problem. So this is what Rashi says. Listen to these words. Im tomar, oh, I underline them. Im tomar, loma ni nichnas letager. Why am I putting myself as a to to fight Yosef Mishar Ochi? Why? He says, you know why? Heim kulam mibachutz. They're on the outside. They're on the outside. They can look into the situation and say, oh, it's so bad. It's such a terrible thing. They can read the newspaper and read about something that some, some Jew got hurt or something. They're on the outside, right? And he says, but, right? But I tied myself up with a strong knot. I put myself into this. You know why? So I was in the car one day with the Boston Rebbe. I don't know if you ever heard of the Boston Rebbe. I used to drive him around. I can tell you a funny story about him. He, 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 won, he got me good a few times. Is a court? Is that? No, his name was Horowitz. Horowitz. Yeah. Horowitz. With Moshe Horowitz. So he once said to me, Judah, Yehuda. He actually called me Yehida. <laughs> That's how he really he called me Yehida. He said Yehida. Achrayas is what causes greatness. Achrayis, responsibility, is what causes greatness. You see, we don't want responsibility. What, what, is the, what do we want in America? We want to chill, right? Everyone wants to chill. The greatest bracha in America right now is to say that you're able to chill today. It's a chill day, right? But that is not what causes greatness. Think about it. Is how many hours a day do you work? Typical. Like Twelve hours. Why? Uh, that's what my day consists of. But but why? <laughs> I mean, that's how my day is set up. That's how many people I have to see. No, it's because you want to take care of your family. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the reason, because you have a thing called a mortgage, or you have a thing called a rent, right. or you have a thing called Con Ed, or you have you got. That's why we're doing this. If we would have no responsibilities at all, well, you know, where would we be? Carvel, Netflix. Hamish. <laughs> That's where we would be. I don't know about you guys. I'll take myself. I'm telling you right now, no responsibility, I'm not here. No responsibility, I'm on the beach in Tahiti. Maybe not the beach in Tahiti because I like it cold. I don't like it hot. So I would be in Alaska maybe. But, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. That's, that's the truth. That's what Yehuda is saying straight out over here. 
You want to know why I'm here? Because they don't have, they're not involved. They're not involved. I have my neck on the line over here. That's what it means, no say ba'olim chavero, that no say ba'ol was ba'ol mean? Yoke. A yoke. You're locked in. You're locked and loaded with your friends, with the other Jewish people. You can't, I, I'm not a Samar Hassan. I did meet the Samar Rebbe one time. I kissed his hand. Ideologically, we know that, I mean, you, you probably know that, um, you know, the Samar Rebbe was um, not pro Medina. I'm pretty pro air, you know. I, I don't want to compare myself. But the bottom line is, I heard one story about the Sabbath. And that was enough. The story goes, and I heard it from numerous people, that after the Holocaust, he didn't sleep in a bed. He didn't sleep in a bed. He slept in a, he slept on his desk by his desk in a chair, I guess on a couch. He didn't sleep in a bed. Because he said, after Klai Yisrael, everybody's going through so much tsar, I can't go and get the Western heavenly bed. You know, you ever sleep on the Western heavenly bed? I guess I'm not the Sabarabba. But that was what he said. I can't do it. How, how do you do it? We had to cancel the Dave & Buster's event until the end of the year. You know? Because how do you do it? Yeah, I need money for Hashivenu. But how do you do it? How do I call you up, Adam? Adam's my buddy. My, he's my relative, to my wife, and say, "Okay, I know there were seven soldiers that got killed today, and I don't know how many wounded, and it's a very hard day in Israel. But tonight we're gonna be in Dave and Buster, <laughs> you know, chilling out." I think yeah. the, the more appropriate we thing could. is to run a Razik campaign. <laughs> That raised it, yeah, but it's the wrong time financially now. But I'm saying, like, you know, like, how do you do that? You can't do that. You can't do it. And that's what Yehuda's saying. You want to know why I'm standing up? The other people on the outside. I'm not on the outside. I, I, I've got, what's it called? I've skin got in skin in the game. I'm there. That's what we need to do in everything that we do. You want to be successful? Put skin in the game. Make it clear to everybody that it matters to me, you know? Let me turn this off. Turn this off right now. But he says over here, you know, put myself in there. A lot of people refuse. You can put it back on now. We, a lot of people are afraid. Give me tell. The guy told me today, whoever I got this gift from, Gave me a good deal on something. And he told me that the reason, one of the reasons he's giving me this deal is because I helped him with his son. I said, I didn't really do anything. He said, yeah, but you called up the principal to say nice things about my family. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? But there are people on this earth that will not call people up. They won't do that. It's not a big deal. It's really, I'm not giving myself any coverage for that. It's no big deal to help people get jobs. You're not giving them the job anyway. If you know somebody that doesn't have a job or needs to get a certain job, you know, they're not hiring because of you. They're going to hire because they like the guy. You just made it, you, you just opened the door and tried. Now, if you know the guy's crazy, then you shouldn't do that because that becomes a problem. But you understand, we all understand. 
We have to put our, have skin in the game. You know? That's number one. This is the famous line. How is it possible I go back to my father, so the Mephorshim say that this is talking about Kira Rechokra. So we, last night we played a quick game, so we're going to do it here for two minutes. We said in America, how many, in America there are 7.1 million Jews, and in Israel there's 7.4 million Jews, and in the entire world altogether there are 15.4, they said, million Jews, approximately. So how many Orthodox Jews are there altogether? Hmm? 10 to 20 percent. Out of the 15 mil? Out of the 15 mil, how? How many? Two million? One, one and a half, two million? Oh, one and a half, two million. I think like 500,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How could it be? How could it be one it's more than the Stiebel. <laughs> <laughs> so now, I don't believe that these numbers are accurate. I don't believe so, because there are, in New York City, according to Tony Masara, there are 140,000 kids in yeshivas of any right. spectrum. If there are 140,000 kids in the yeshiva system, so that has to mean that there's another um, couple hundred thousand orthodox parents and older siblings who are not in school or younger or grandparents. So to me, that means in the New York City area, there's close to 500,000 who would be orthodox. So that's what that sounds like to me. But then again, most Jews live in New York and they don't live in Indiana. So that, you know, you, when we think of big areas of metropolises, big metropolises, I love when people think about, you know, there's a, a, a Jewish community in Boston. Well, how big do you think that community is? It's not very big. You know, well, I grew up in Connecticut, so they'll say, yeah, well, there's a community in Hartford, in New Haven. Yeah, there's a very small community. So altogether, you have 100 families. I mean, you know, in real numbers, it's not that many. So according to the internet, there are uh, 2.1 million uh, uh, Orthodox Jews. I don't know if it's true, but that's what, that's what it says. Let's go with 3 million, just, just to make it fine. So that means that there are 12 million Jews that don't know their right hand from their left hand. That, that's what that means, right? In a, in an optimistic world, nobody's going to say there's more than three million Orthodox Jews. That that's that's absurd. No, no, that that's not a possibility. So we have twelve million Jews, and what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? You know, individually we do whatever we can do. Hopefully, this is a we. I say I don't mean. I mean Hashivenu, I mean people in this community. When I say this community, people of our type are more sensitive than than other Orthodox Jews sometimes. You know, because we're not as we're not as cloistered. We are aware that <coughs> a lot of unreligious Jews, so therefore at least we think about it. But it's the Rav Palm once said it was an Arab Simchas Torah, and he said, I heard him say it, that I think he quoted Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, but he certainly said it, Rav Palm said it, that yes, we're misameach with the Torah, but can the Torah be misameach with us when all so many of the Torah's children don't even know that it is Simchas Torah? They don't even know it's Simchas Torah. So how happy can Hashem be? You know, we walk around, 
in a, in a, in a cocoon. We're in a cocoon. And it's a good cocoon. It's good to be in a cocoon a little bit. You know, you know it's, it's good. You need to, you know, you have to protect yourself in a crazy world. But you have to know you're in a cocoon. You have to know what's going on. How are we going to face God? I, I, I brought down over here. It's such an interesting thing. I just, I mean, you know, you don't need this today anymore because Kiruv today became something so obvious to any Orthodox, any firm person that lives outside of Meir Sharem and outside of, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and even there, maybe they know about it. I don't know. But I, I think it's one of those things that everybody knows. But I decided to quote the two sources, which are, these are like really fundamental. Chovas Halavovos is not a, a modern day, you know, rabbi from the, you know, from uh, the Upper East Side and, uh, you know, or Eisha Torah of Jerusalem or something. Chovas Halavovos is like one of the fun, you know, fundamental, right? I mean, the, it's, a, it's a fundamental in Judaism. And the other source is Rukhayim Volazhin. I mean, when you think of cure professionals, you don't think of Rukhayim Volazhin. It's a, so what does he write here? The Chovas Halavovos writes, I'll just read it. He said, it's fitting, my brethren, that you should be aware that the merits of the true believer, even if he should attain the highest pinnacles in perfecting his own soul in godly matters, right? Even if you've reached the highest that you as an individual can reach, will not equal the merit of one who guides others along the proper path and who leads the wicked toward the service of the Almighty. So you could be the greatest tzaddik of, that you can't be better. That's what the the Chobot, this is not the Bardicheva who writes like this. This is not the Balatanya. This is not Hasidism. This is not a Kira professional. This is Chobos Alavavos, which is fundamental, basic, right? The pillars of Judaism based on, right? And therefore, he writes over here, for the merit of the latter are multiplied because of their merits at all times. That's what he says. And if you look on the bottom here, this is Rukhayim Volazhin. The God of Hashivas Inyan Atarapachahi, and how great is it to give direction to people? Ki Olam Chesed Yibane. The world was created for the purpose of creating Chesed. The Kosovo God of Rukhayim Volazhin. Listen to this, Rukhayim Volazhin wrote Ki Iker Bereus Ha'adam. The primary purpose that man was created for is is to help out another person. That is the primary reason that we were created. Because just like God created the world, because of his desire to help, to give good to others, so we too have to go in his way. To help people, the ikra tov v'lacherem who lishchus on b'tarav and mitzvahs, right? And that's the ikra good is 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 to to let people do tarav mitzvahs. It's very deep. So what what it's saying is each person was created with a with a missing piece that someone else yes. is missing. Yes. To help them. When we make the bracha, barein nefashos rabos, that God, when after you eat, you say bracha to Hashem. Barein nefashos rabos. 
you have created many different types of neshamos, the chesrona, and each one is missing something. That's what it says. That's what we're supposed to do. And we live in an island, you're missing that. So you can't forget about the fact of the schus that how big it is to be makar of people, like Rabbi Chaim Volazhin says. You can't, according to the Rabbeinu the, Bechai, the, in Chobos HaLavos, you can't perfect yourself anyway. You can't do it without helping other people. You think you can. You think you could do it by hiding away in a little corner, so this way you won't be affected by other people or whatever. Not true. Not true. So I had an idea. We'll just end with this. Uh, to me, it's just this is this is what life's all about: is helping everybody. That's that's what we have to realize. That that's what we need to do. So I had an idea. So I'll just say this for five minutes, and then we'll be done. I'm really sorry about the food. I've never had this before. Is this, yeah, is this, this is one of your best classes. So the world yeah, so it's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so so. The first Kira of Yeshiva started. Do you know the first Kira? There were the first two. What? No, no, before that. Before that, the first Kira of Yeshiva was made in YU. It was called JSS, this James Strauer School of Jewish Thought. It was made in 1964, if I'm not mistaken. It was made by a guy who made a lot of money in cattle in Bangor, Maine. Okay. The second Baltruva Yeshiva, was very, it was very small. The second Baltruva program was a place called Hadar HaTorah that was created in 1965 or 66 in Crown Heights. Okay. You know, early Vietnam time. But the Baltruva movement started right after the Six Day War, 1967. Right after the Six Day War, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said it should make a booth with tefillin by the Kotel, and that was the beginning of things unraveling. And you're right, the first major Baltruvian Shiva was in 1974, and that was, 73, I'm sorry, 73, that was called Shema Yisrael. It split because the uh, the rabbis who were running it were Rav Noach Weinberg and Rav Nata Schiller and, and, and Mayor Weinbach, from, those were from Orsamev, they split and they became more Sameach and Eshatarah, okay, and Barishalam. Okay. So as we know, the Baal movement grew and grew and grew. But then recently, when I say recently, the last 10, 15 years, the Israeli yeshivas don't really do it as much as they did in the past. Most Bali today come from like a local rabbi in, 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 in Baltimore, or somebody has a program in Wichita, Kansas, individuals, you know. Chabad houses, individuals, that's where most people But we all know that there's more assimilation than ever before. We all know that. We all know that there's more, there's less and less people walking around with mug and davids or mezuzahs, right? You don't see that anymore. When I was a kid, you'd see many, many Jewish kids who weren't religious, but they were wearing mug and davids. Barring Svardim, Israeli and Svardim, you don't see any Magandavids anywhere. You will see it on some on Israelis, on some Svardim, but you don't see it by your Ashkenaz American. You just don't. Am I mistaken? Right? You don't see it. Because the identification has disappeared. Once the identification disappears, then your whole key ability disappears because they don't identify. 
So I believe that a Kodesh Baruch Hu went and said, we're going to, you know, there's a, a Fourth of July um, mattress sale, right? And then you have the Labor Day mattress sale, right? That's, that's what happens. So I think we're in the Labor Day right now. I think that uh, God started the Kirov world in Fourth of July, you know, like 67. But Mashiach is coming, but there's a lot of Jews that are not affiliated, not connected. So you've got to rattle them up a little bit and give them another shot before the uh, store closes, you know, before the season ends. That's how I see it. And this October 7th is waking the hell out of people. Jews that never talked about Judaism, they're talking about it. Not every Jew. We have to be realistic. But people, by and large, there's, there's, a, there's an energy. The people are they're nervous about the anti-Semitism. They never dealt that with, with that before. They can't believe that the alma mater is acting like this. They can't believe that they don't know what to do with it. They, they don't know what to do with free Palestine. They don't know, they don't know what to do with it. So I think it's an apropos time to start doing some reaching out to either family members or business associates. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, uh, 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 evangelical Judaism, necessarily. I'm talking about people, everybody here must know a relative, a friend, an associate in business that might be interested. And we should start thinking about it. What to do with that? I don't know. Make a Shabbaton? I don't know. Send everybody mezuzahs that they should feel protected? Maybe. I don't know. But I know the first thing you do is you got to see what kind of, what is your merchandise before you, you know, you got to see what you got. So that's why I'm calling people up. And I want people to think I have relatives. My own family is not religious, except for one, my immediate family. Other than that, not. Most of them aren't Jewish because they were in but you know. You start thinking, who, who is this? It's got to be, everybody knows somebody that there might be the ability of reaching out to them or them of being, you know. That's what I think. And again, I'm sorry about the food. Would the doctor be upset that I didn't eat tonight chunk at 11 o'clock? That's a good question. No, Shall we call the doctor and ask him? I don't think so. I went for a physical this week. I was 